We began here a few weeks ago on the subject of faith, and the title of the series is Without a Doubt. Without a Doubt. So would you turn to Mark 11, please? Find the place. We're going to Mark 11 right now. And let me encourage you, do not assume you already know what we're going to talk about. Huh? Please don't. It'd be a huge mistake. How many were here last Sunday and we talked about how faith comes? It comes by hearing. Did you get excited about that? Did you get it? How many already knew about faith comes by hearing, but you're more stirred up now about it than you've been in a, huh? Yeah, there's hearing and then there's hearing. There's progressive revelation. If you weren't with us, you know, take advantage. It's on the, you can download it off the internet. But uh, we've been on this for a few weeks now. The first one we talked about, not doubting. Well, let me read the text first. That's good. Ain't that what you're supposed to do? Let's read the text first. Mark 11, verse 22. Jesus answered and said to them, have faith. In God. Or the margin says, have the faith of God. Have faith in God. Now you know the uh, setting. Jesus had spoken to the fig tree. And said, no man eat fruit of you hereafter forever. And in a short amount of time, that fig tree withered up from the roots. How many know that things always start where you can't see. It starts in the realm. So you know. Your eyes. And your physical senses. Are not qualified. To tell you. If it's working or not. Because it starts. In the unseen realm. And the leaves. Were the last thing to change. So if you're just looking at the leaves and you're waiting to see the leaves change before you're going to believe it's working, you're going to be the last to know. Did something happen the moment Jesus spoke to that tree? Did something happen? Could you tell it by looking at the tree? You could not. And even the next hour or the hour after that, there was a certain length of time. But the next day they came by and they saw it. And the Bible's specific in saying that it dried up from the roots. That's where it started. Man, I've seen this, I don't know how many times, in cursing cancers and tumors and growths. You don't go by what you feel. You believe the death blow was struck to the thing the moment you cursed it in the name of Jesus. And it dies from the roots. Now I know uh, having the privilege of working in Brother Kenneth Hagin's ministry in the healing school for a number of years. I saw some outstanding things. And one that just I'll never forget was a man who had what the doctor said was an inoperable brain tumor. They said the tumor in his brain had tentacles like an octopus. That sounds devilish, doesn't it? 
that were down into different parts of his brain and they could not operate for uh, fear of destroying uh, too much of his brain trying to get it out. So he'd been to place after place and they said, we can't operate, we can't operate. Well, this was when uh, uh, the Lord had helped Brother Oral Roberts to build the city of faith. It was just going, you know, first few months. And finally, one of the spirit-filled surgeons over there, he told the man that he would operate. But before that, the man had been with us in healing school for two weeks. Because nobody would operate, nobody had even talked to him. And at the end of that two weeks, we talked about faith in the name of Jesus and actually talked about this very passage. Cursed how Jesus cursed the fig tree. So we cursed that uh, tumor in his head and commanded it to die. And dry up in the name of Jesus. And of course, what are you supposed to believe when you do that? You believe that the death blow is struck to the thing, but it happens, it begins where you can't see. So you don't immediately begin to check your symptoms to see if it happened. No, the leaves are the last thing to change. When the leaves change, a whole lot of things have already happened by then. Well, this man, one of those spirit-filled surgeons at the City of Faith, after that agreed that he would operate on the man. And after praying about it, even even though we had already prayed and released faith, he felt like he should. So he did. And he's telling me afterwards, and they're telling me afterwards what happened. You know, they shaved his head, and they got him in the operating room, and they opened him up, and they began to try to get it out, and, you know, saw, they already knew this was going to be challenging, but worked for hours and could not get it out because of this situation, you know, afraid they're going to damage his brain too much in the process. The doctor, fatigued at one point, he turned away from the table to the side and he's resting a moment and he's thinking and doing some, you know, I'm sure he's praying too. These are spirit-filled guys. And a few moments, he turned back and he went to do something with this thing and it fell out. It fell out. And so they took the instrument and just pulled it out and all the tentacles just pulled out. And he, now this is what he told me that his surgeon told him. He said the ends of those tentacles looked like they were burnt. That's why it just turned loose. Well, that's the root. And they sewed him up. Three days later, he was standing up in the healing school giving his testimony. Well, I suppose over a process of time, his body would have eliminated that because it was dying from the roots. But how many believe that that can work for you in any situation of life? Because somebody said, yeah, but now that was Jesus talking to the fig tree. Yeah, but if you were here, we went into detail. He said in Matthew 21, 22, he said, if you had faith and don't doubt, you will not only do that which he's done to the fig tree. But if you said to this mountain, is he saying they could do what he did? Is he saying we can do what he did? Yes. That's why he did it. To show us how to operate. Have faith in God. Now verse 23. Verse 23. For verily I say to you. I mean this is a truth. 
You can count on this verily. That whosoever. Not just apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. Not just people that have walked with God for 50 years. Whosoever shall say. Now if you haven't already underlined or circled that word. You might want to. Because even though you've heard it. People are missing it here all the time. Whoever will what? S-A-Y. Say, not think, not ponder, not contemplate. Say, whoever shall say to this mountain, be thou removed, be cast into the sea. And what? And shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe, in other words, in his heart, that those things which he, what, saith, shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. Now, we think we know something about this, but did you remember what I told you a few minutes ago? Don't presume that you know all about this. Try to hear it like you've not heard it before. Because there are things in here we've not heard before. If you'll say it and not doubt but believe that what you say comes to pass, you'll have what you say. Now people make fun of us. Just a week or so ago, I got another letter that said, you know, I don't believe what you teach. You're that name it and frame it and claim it and blab it and grab it bunch. I don't believe it. You're one of them Haganites, Copelandites. You're, you know. Well, this was written long before there were any Copelandites or Haganites. Long, long, long before. This is not quoting Brother Hagan. This is not quoting Brother Copeland. Huh? Anybody got any red letters? On this, what does that mean? Jesus. Who said this? Jesus. Didn't that make us Jesusites? Yeah. It's ignorance for people to make fun of what Jesus said and make light of it. What did Jesus say? If you would say it and don't doubt in your heart, but believe that what you said come to pass, you would have what you said. Said, 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 you got to say something. Now this is not prayer. Prayer has its place, you know that. But this is not prayer. He didn't say, whoever will pray, oh God, move the mountain. Please God, make that mountain move. God, I'm, I'm pleading with you. Move the mountain. That's not what he said. And that's why a lot of people are experiencing difficulty. They're praying when they ought to be saying. Trying to get him to do what he told us to do. No. This is you. Not talking to God about the problem. This is you and me talking to the big problem. Now, some people have gotten a hold of a piece of this and they said, well, yeah, just say it. Just say it. Just say it. And anything I say, it'll happen. Well, no, he didn't say that either. Did he? He didn't say if you everything comes out of your mouth, it's going to come to pass. What did he say? 
If you would say it, and he puts a qualifier in there, doesn't he? And if you would not doubt. So is that significant? Or do we just run past that? And not doubt, but believe what you said would come to pass. You'd have what you said. Now the first week we talked about this, we talked about this word doubt. D-O-U is the first letters of the word double. And if you look it up, it means to stand in two ways. And the same word here, translated doubt, is translated uh, stagger in Romans 4. And it's also translated waver in James 1. Same word. So you could put the word stagger or waver here, and it's the same thing used in other parts of the the New Testament for the same word. If you will say it and not stagger about it. If you will say it and not waver about it. But believe what you said will come to pass, you'll have what you say. Your eye has to be single. Everybody say single. single. Will he do it or will he not? Is it his will or is it not? If you don't know, you can't have faith. If you're not sure, you cannot stand. You have to eliminate everything else except one thing. And focus on that and believe that one thing. When a person is in faith, they already know how it's going to turn out. When a person's in faith, they already know the outcome. Before they see it. Before it occurs. Will he heal me or will he not? Will the money come or will it not? We sure hope so, Brother Keith. We're just hoping and praying. Well, will he or won't he? See, doubt, duo, dewey, two. Will he? And wavering. Turn over to James, and you know this, but let's read it. Remind ourselves of it. James 1. Same word that here is translated doubt. James 1. Y'all believe in God with me this morning? Stay with me. Help me out with your faith. James 1. Verse 5. If you lack wisdom, ask of God. He'll give to all men liberally. He's a liberal, generous God. He upbraids not, it will be given him. But let him ask how, in faith, nothing wavering. Now, that's almost the same thing he said there in Mark eleven twenty three. Don't doubt, but believe. Somebody say, don't doubt, don't doubt. but believe. believe. Now, believing means you're settled on one thing. You're believing one thing is happening. One thing is going to happen. One thing. Yeah, but what if it don't? You can't entertain that. If you do, you're wavering. Yeah, but what if it doesn't? You're not in faith. That's doubting. You got to get it settled. What's going to happen? This. All my needs are met and supplied according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. What's going to happen? Every bill will be paid. Every need will be met. Everything we're believing for will come to pass. We'll have it. Yeah, but what if it don't? I can't think that. 
I can't even entertain that. And if you're going to talk about it, I'm going to have to leave. Because I can't afford to listen to that. Because that's where the good fight of faith comes in. Is the struggle to remain in the rest. Did you hear me now? I used to uh, teach in healing school. Of course, you're going to teach on faith. And so one week I'd teach on fight the good fight of faith. Then a few weeks later I'd teach on the rest of faith. We which have believed do enter into rest. And I preached it so much until one day I'm, I almost confused myself. I thought, well, am I fighting or am I resting today? <laughs> because I'm thinking, no, we got to fight. We got to fight. No, no, we got to rest. Because, you know, you don't see the same mental picture. You come and see somebody laid across the couch with a glass of water in their hand. You go, what are you doing? They go, I'm fighting. <laughs> you know, you, you picture somebody struggling and wrestling. And so I said, Lord, you got to help me with this. I, I, if I'm confused, what about the people I'm ministering to? <laughs> what are we doing? Are we fighting? Are we resting? Which one is it? Does it depend on the day? And he took me to Hebrews, and I won't take the time to go into it, but read that third and fourth chapter of Hebrews carefully, and the answer was all right there. He said, uh, uh, labor to enter into the rest. Oh, did you hear that? What's the fight? The fight is to get in the rest and stay in the rest. That's where the fight is. Because there's stuff all around about you that will try to pull you out of rest. Into turmoil. Into anxiety and worry and fear. And that's what you've got to resist. That's where the fight of faith comes in. Say it out loud. The fight of faith, fight of faith is, to is to get in and stay in, and stay in the, rest. the rest. Hallelujah. The rest. Now he said... Uh, Ask in faith, nothing wavering. Everybody say nothing. Nothing. How much is it okay to waver? Not in no thing. Is it okay to waver a little bit? No. No. For he that wavereth, now this is the same word translated doubt in Mark 11, 23. He that wavers, he that doubts, he that staggers is like a wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed For let not that man think he shall receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Unstable. A what kind of minded man? Duo. Same as the first three words of the word doubt. Double-minded. Is it going to be? Yeah, yeah, I think so. But tomorrow, man, I don't know. Like a what does a wave do? Ever been out on the ocean? Where there were big swells and big waves, what happens? You go down in the wave. Then what do you do? You come up on the wave. Then what happens after that? You go down and see so many Christians. That's their life. You see them Sunday morning right after the service. Yeah, glory to God. It's coming in. I'm getting out of debt. Everything's happening. It's going to happen. It's doing it. You see them three days later. Oh, y'all got to pray for me. Man, this is happening, and that's happening, and the economy, and the company, and I just don't know. Man, I hope so. 
Well, will you receive like that? We cannot afford to, what's the word? We can't afford to waver, we know that, but let's, I'm trying to find a word that you relate to, because people have what they call a bad day, and they vent their frustrations. I actually had a fellow, a pastor, tell me one time, he thought that's why God gave us our spouses, our husbands and wives, each other, to vent on. You know, you get all frustrated, mad, and upset, and you can just blow off steam with them. No, that's ignorance. Well, Brother Keith, sometimes you just, you got to get it out. Sometimes you just, you know, you're so full of fear and worry and anxiety, you just, you got to get it out, and you need somebody you can vent on. Wrong. Forget about getting it out. Don't let it in. Now here's the thing that many have not seen. This so-called getting it out, venting your frustrations and your fears, you're going spastic, you're just coming apart, is actually yielding to the temptation to doubt. That's what it is. You're yielding to the temptation to doubt and Doubt, you are tempted to doubt. Everybody has been and will be through the course of life tempted to doubt, tempted to fear, tempted to waver. But being tempted to doubt is not the same as doubting. Just like being tempted to sin is not the same as sinning. Jesus himself was tempted to sin. Is that right? Y'all got too quiet on that. You do know that's in the scriptures, right? That he was tempted in all points like is us. Just like us. He was tempted to doubt. He was tempted to fear. He was tempted to sin. But did he yield to any of it at any time? No, he did not. Proving as a man that you don't have to. I said proving. He did not do it with divine powers as God. He emptied himself. He laid aside his mighty weight and power and glory and became like other men, Philippians said. And he did it as a man, proving you can do it. Can you say amen? So do you and I ever have to yield to doubt and fear? Do we ever have to just fall apart? And go spastic and go, I can't help it. It's just, it's too much. I just, I can't help but worry. I can't help but fear. It's too much. That's a lie. What's happening is you're yielding to it. Now there are different degrees of temptation. And what, that's what we're going to get into today. You can be pressed. There are different degrees of it. And you can be pressed. To fear and worry and doubt. And that's where the good fight of faith comes in. Is resisting this. And saying no. I'm not going to worry about this. I'm not going to fear about this. I am in the rest. Of relying on God. And that's where I'm staying. And one of the most pivotal points. Of this whole thing. That shows you. 
where you are and that determines when you get in faith or when you get out of faith. It's revealed by your mouth. By your words. Go with me to Matthew 12, please. Oh, thank you, Lord, you're helping us today. Let's believe, God, that we are rising up in faith. Stronger than we've ever been. Understanding more about faith. Walking in greater faith than we ever have. Matthew 12. How many remember the first time you learned about faith and believing God and confession? Anybody remember that? Hmm? The very first, some of the first times I do. And what a revelation. And I remember, you know, in the seventies, people particularly had stickers on everything. Hmm? Everything had a sticker on it. I mean, your dash, your refrigerator, your mirror where you got ready with confessions. Confessions everywhere. Anybody remember that? Well, how did we outgrow that? Do you see what I'm talking about? What happens? People think they know something about it. And so get away. But just as much as there was revelation coming to us at that time... We can have that much and more revelation coming to us right now in the same areas bringing us higher than we've ever thought before. But we don't get away from the first things that God gave us. We build on them. And we increase the very same things. Say it out loud. Believe in your heart. heart. Say it with your mouth. mouth. Don't doubt. doubt. Now let me give you another definition of that. Don't doubt equals Don't change. Don't change. What do you mean? You believe it in your heart. You say it with your mouth. And you believe it in your heart. And you say it with your mouth. And don't doubt means. You don't change what you're believing and saying. Vacillating between something else. Now in Matthew 12. Note the seriousness. Of this passage. Matthew 12. And we'll begin in 33. 12. 33. Jesus said either make the tree good. And his fruit good. Or else make the tree corrupt. And his fruit corrupt. For the tree is known by his fruit. Now he's talking about people. People, the fruit trees here are people. Did you know you were a fruit tree? What kind of fruit tree are you? Hmm? Well, how can you tell by looking at a fruit tree what kind of fruit tree it is? By what kind of fruit is on the tree? It doesn't make any difference. You can put apple tree sign over a tree. In neon lights flashing, apple tree, apple tree, apple tree, anointed apostolic apple tree. (laughs) But if there are persimmons hanging on the tree, it ain't no apple tree. 
it's a persimmon tree. We live in a group, in a generation that is so big on titles. Have you noticed that? Now, you know, we're not around here. You know that. In fact, there is a noticeable absence of titles around here. And there's reasons why. But I mean, I go to all kind of places and everybody and their brothers got three titles. Titles, titles, titles. But titles don't make you anything. Does it? You can say, I'm a this, I'm a this, I'm an apostle, I'm a prophet, I'm the first evangelist of such and such, I'm a pastor, I'm a this. That means nothing just because you said it. How do we know what you are? By their fruits, you know them. Can you say amen? Amen. So don't hang titles over yourself and don't say, hey, y'all got to accept my ministry. I'm a such and such. You got to accept it. No, they don't have to accept it today or tomorrow. Instead of you hollering about what you are, you need to hush and produce fruit. Produce some fruit. And when people see the fruit, nobody has to tell anybody what kind of tree you are. Everybody knows. There it is. There's a fruit. I know that's simplistic, but it's important. Keep reading. Verse 34. O generation of vipers, how can you, being evil, speak good things? Now he's elaborating. A bad tree is going to produce bad fruit. A good tree is going to produce good fruit. Now, the fruit is a product of what was inside the tree. From the soil the tree is in to the roots of the tree and the trunk and the limbs of the tree, that fruit is a reflection and a product of what's inside the tree. And he tells them, how can you produce anything good and you're full of evil? If we're going to get good fruit on the outside, we got to get good stuff on the inside. Keep reading. A good man or a good tree out of the good treasure of the heart. Everybody say treasure. Now the word treasure here has to do with the stockpile. The store room. And how many know when you stockpile something, you don't just throw something in there and it's the stock room is full. You have to keep putting stuff in there. Your, your heart is a reservoir. And you should be feeding on good things all the time. And while you're doing that, you're filling up the treasure of your heart. And when something comes up, That's what's going to come out. He said out of the good treasure, a good man out of the good treasure of the heart brings forth good things. An evil man out of the evil treasure brings forth evil or bad things. But I say to you that every idle word, let's just talk. Why did he change the subject and start talking about your words? He didn't. I said he didn't. How does what's inside you get produced outside of you? Hmm? You put the nozzle 
of the word of God in your ear. And you pump it. And you pump it. And you pump it. And you don't just hear two messages on healing. You eat, sleep, dream, breathe healing. You eat, sleep, dream, breathe prosperity and righteousness. Protection and whatever it is that God's emphasizing to you at the time. And as you do, your insides get filled up. And then how does it come forth in your life? Out of the abundance. Isn't that what he said next? For out of the abundance, verse 34, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Say that out loud. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. You're going to have to stir yourself up a little bit because we're getting into some things you think you already know. Let's stir ourselves up now. Man, there's some victory here this morning. I'm telling you, there's some good things, but you don't see them with the natural mind. You have to believe for them. How do we get things produced out here? It comes from what's in here, and it's released with what you say. Everybody say, what you say. What you say. And not just good things, bad things. Out of the good store of your heart is produced good fruit through words. Out of an evil store, a bad store of stuff is produced bad stuff through words. The same process. He said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. A good man out of the good treasure of the heart brings forth good things. Evil man out of the evil treasure brings forth evil things. But I say to you that every idle word that men shall speak. They shall give account thereof in the day of judgment. For by your words you shall be justified, and by your words you shall be condemned. We haven't taken this seriously enough. We've looked at that and thought, hmm, whoo, boy, that sounds serious. Let's talk about something else. (laughs) He's talking about fruit in your life. What's produced in your life. And as he begins to talk about how that out of the abundance of your heart, your mouth speaks, he goes on into detail and says, listen to you. Now, verily, pay attention. Every idle word that comes out of your mouth, you're going to have to give an account of. And it's going to be by what comes out of your mouth that you are either justified or condemned. It's going to be based on what comes out of your mouth. Who said it? Jesus, victory or defeat, blessing or curse, do you see it? You know some of the other scriptures, life and death is in the power of the tongue, right? We haven't taken this seriously enough. As a generation, we know a little bit about it, but you've got to remind yourself constantly, continually, everything that comes out of my mouth matters. Every word that parts my lips matters. Everybody say that out loud. Every word that comes out of my mouth matters. Every word. Every word. Now here's something that will really simplify it for you. If you're not sure what to say, be quiet until you know what to say. Now, when you first start really practicing this, 
you'll do a lot of being quiet. You'll be trying to think what to say and what to respond, the right thing. And by the time you get ready to say it, everybody's through talking and left. But that's all right. You didn't miss it. And you're not going to have to give an account for the stuff you said wrong. But as time goes by, you'll speed up. You will and you'll be more on top of it and more ready. It's a discipline. It's not something you learn all about in a day or two or a week or two. Do we believe the words of the master? That we will have to give an account. Even for every idle, vain, non-productive word. We haven't believed this. Verse 36, I'm going to read it to you again. Somebody said, well, I wish you'd hurry up and get off of it. Well, no. That's why I'm reading it again. Because we need to believe it. If we believe it, it's going to change our life. If we don't believe it, we're just going to keep blabbing and saying everything that crosses our mind and everything we feel. And we get afraid, we're going to talk fear, worry, thoughts cross our mind. We'll talk that. And when you do, well, let me back up a little bit. Mark eleven twenty three. You say it. You don't doubt in your heart, but believe that what you say comes to pass. You'll have what you say. How would you know that you doubted? What would be the indicator that you're no longer believing, but now you're wavering and doubting? Hmm? Let's come back to this. How, what's the indicator that you released your faith to be born again, that Jesus is Lord? You believed it in your heart. And what else? You said it with your mouth. If it's not in you strong enough to say it with your mouth, I doubt it's in there strong enough. You opened your mouth and you said, I confess Jesus is Lord. Jesus is my Lord. Well, now, by the same token, how would you know that you're getting out of faith and getting into doubt? Your mouth. You will open your mouth and you'll say something you shouldn't say. Because of pressure, you'll be tempted to fear and you think on the wrong thing long enough and you sit around and listen to other people say the wrong thing and you look at the symptoms and you look at the need and you feel the pressure you do it long enough it'll get inside you and out of the abundance of what's in you you'll say oh I don't know what we're going to do I don't see how we're going to make it now when you start talking that that is when you're coming out of faith now you are doubting you are wavering now now we talked about this before Somebody said, well, I thought maybe just if a thought crossed my mind. No, no. Mm-mm. Remember Jesus said, take no thought. Saying. Did you hear that? Just because a thought crossed your mind, you haven't wavered and doubted. It's what you do with the thought. Brother Hagin used to say this. He said, faith will work in your heart with thoughts of doubt in your mind. And it will. I said it will. Remember the man cried out, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. What happened? The boy got delivered. It worked. Well, then what was, was he wavering? He couldn't have just been wavering and doubting in his heart. The Bible says you won't receive anything. It was just stuff in his head. Oh, man, that'll set you free if you get a hold of that now. But what, when does it change from just thoughts and feelings crossing over you to you actually doubting and wavering and getting out of faith? How can you tell it? 
you, you, will, you will begin to express it with your mouth. You'll begin to say, I don't think it's working. I don't know what I was thinking. This is too much. Uh-uh. You'll begin to say it. And when you do, now you've got major problems. You are coming out of faith. You are starting downhill. You are, you, your words are getting in the way of the Lord. How many remember Malachi? Where he said, your words have been stout against me. He also said, he said, you've wearied me with your words. Our words? Stout against God? What would he care? What would our words matter to God? How, what does it mean when God, God looks at us and goes, your words are in my way. Your words are strong against me. Man, I never want that. Do you? Oh. Your words carry more weight in your life than anybody's, including God's. Now, I know millions wouldn't believe that. But it's true. Your words carry more weight in your life than anybody's. Including God. If God says you're the righteousness of God in Christ and your sins are washed away and you say no it's not and I don't believe it and I don't receive it. You are not saved. If he says by my stripes you're healed and you say no I don't believe it. I know I got this. I know I'm going to die with this. By whose words are you justified or condemned? Listen to the, the Amplified. He said, I tell you, on the ju- day of judgment, men will have to give account for every idle, inoperative, non-working word they speak. We cannot afford the luxury of blabbing. Just chatting. I see y'all not enjoying this as much as we'd like for you to. Well, you'll shout when you see this because then you'll see why some things haven't been working. Why there's, things have taken so long. Why there have been such hindrances. We, we cannot afford the so-called luxury of just talking. Just chatting. Well, Brother Keith, I just, you know, I just want to talk. The Bible said in the multitude of words, there wants not sin. That means if your mouth is always moving, you're always missing it. You're missing it all the time. <laughs> you feel that? Everybody's good. I wish you'd preach on something else. No, you don't. No, you don't. This is it. This is the open door to greater victories. But it takes discipline. I said, it takes discipline. He went on to say, by your words, you'll be justified and acquitted. And by your words, your words, you'll be condemned and sentenced. Your words, the, the, the English version said, your words will be used to judge you. To declare you innocent are guilty. Whose words? Your words. Jesus is the apostle 
He is the high priest of our confession. Our words. Go with me to uh, Mark, please. Mark 5. This is such a great example of this. Mark 5. Oh, thanks be unto God. Thanks be unto God. If you'll say it, and don't doubt, but believe what you say comes to pass, what will happen? According to Jesus, what will happen? You will have what you say. Oh, some people are about to get this right now. This is about to drop in hearts big time. If you say, I call my body healed, I call my body whole and strong, liver, you work right. Lungs, you be clear and work right. Kidneys, you function perfectly. If you say it, and don't doubt it, but believe that what you say comes to pass. What did Jesus say? You will have what you said. Well, now the devil knows that. So what's he got to do to keep this from happening? He's got to get you to change. Because if you don't change, it's going to happen. If you just keep saying, you get up every morning and you say, I'm coming out of debt. Everything I got, I call paid off and paid for. Everything I got, it won't be long until the only checks I write will be offerings. No payments. If you say that and don't doubt it and don't change, what will happen? It'll ha- it will come to pass. Do you believe it will come to pass? So how can the devil keep it from happening? Only one way. He's got to get you to change. How would he do it? Pressure from the outside. From what you see. From what you feel. Thoughts. And it can be oppressive. You ever felt pushed to say something you know you shouldn't say? Oh, come on now. Have you ever, I mean, just come up in your throat. You just, why? Well, because you've been thinking it. You lay in the bed and think something wrong and think something wrong and focus on something. It's just going to get stronger and stronger and stronger. You're going to be pushed to say it. But if you do, you are yielding to the temptation to doubt. And when you do, you're wavering. You don't receive. Now Mark 5, look at this. Man, this is such a wonderful example of this. Mark 5, verse 22. There come one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name. When he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet. And he besought him greatly. He said, my little daughter is lying at the point of death. Another writer said, she's even now dead. He knew she was at death's door. She looked like she was dying when he left. I pray you. Actually, that's added in italics. It just says, come and lay your hands on her. That she may be healed and she shall live. Is that faith? See, faith knows ahead of time how it's going to turn out. 
Well, we hope so, Brother Keith. That don't cut it. That you're in duo. Maybe it will. Maybe it won't. Man, we hope so. You're not in Bible hope. You're not in faith. You're doing nothing. You're doing what any sinner could do. Faith knows ahead of time how it's going to turn out. Somebody help me with this now. How's it going to turn out? She shall live. What if it's not the will of God? I'm glad he didn't think about that. Nobody got to him and told him all that. Yeah, but what if God's teaching you something in your life through this? What if God needs no little angel in the choir? And he needs your little girl up there more with him than you need it. Do you see, though, how the enemy works to undermine your confidence? If you're entertaining all that stuff, there's no way you can be in faith. No way. There's got to be one answer. One outcome. One. I'm not just taking extra time to be preaching this morning. I'm telling you, people are in situations right now. In this room, watching by internet, and this is the way you're going to get the victory, right here. One outcome. How's this thing going to turn out? Me healed. Not dying, but living. Living long. Me coming out of debt. All my needs being met. The thing coming in, the money coming in. That's it. Yeah, but what if? No what ifs. Yeah, but. No buts. That's it. She shall live. Man, if this man could do this, not being born again, not having the name of Jesus, not being filled with the Spirit, surely you and I can do this. What's going to happen? She shall live. So Jesus went with him. He always responds to faith. You know the story? The woman with the issue of blood pressed through, touched him, got healed, interrupted, slowed down the whole deal. Then she comes and tells him all the truth. And what she did tells her whole testimony. And what do you think Jairus is doing? Oh, that's great, lady. You got healed. Nice. Come on, let's go. But Jesus just keeps standing there. And she just keeps going on and on, telling all the truth. And what all she did. And he keeps waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting. Time tries. Trust. What's the big challenge here though? What's the big challenge? You don't change. What did he say when he spoke to Jesus to begin with? What did he say? Come down. Put your hand on her. She'll be healed. And she shall live. She was dying when he left the house. What did he say though? Come pray for her and we'll see what happens. No. No. Come lay your hand on her and she will, she shall live. What's the temptation? He's standing there. The clock is ticking. Time's going by. What's the temptation? You suppose he felt any pressure? Oh yeah. Pressure on him. Pressure. She's dying. We gotta hurry up. We gotta get there. It may be too late. All these thoughts, pressure. But what's, uh, have you lost the battle because you feel the pressure? 
Have you lost the battle because the thoughts and the feelings are bearing down on you? No, no. But what's the big deal? Don't let it come out of your mouth. Don't yield to it. Read the rest of it. What is it? Verse uh, 35. While he yet spake, there came from the ruler of the synagogue's house certain which said, Your daughter is dead. Now we read this, but put yourself in this man's place. The enemy is already bearing down on him. And he hears the thing that's been running through his mind like machine gun bullets. He knows these guys wouldn't come and lie to him. These are his own people. They know they wouldn't have come and told him this if they weren't sure. What about pressure now? What do you think? What, what kind of feelings came over him? Huh? This is his baby. This is his girl. His heart. She's gone. She's dead. It's over. She's dead. No need bothering the master anymore. No need in him coming on. Y'all waited too late. You took too long. She's gone. What do you suppose he was tempted to say? Huh? Was he tempted? Was he pressed? Did he feel pressure on him? To just come apart? To just break down? To start crying uncontrollably? Do you suppose he felt any pressure? To start trying to blame somebody? Anything? Why did y'all take so long? I told you she was dying when I came. Hmm? What if he'd have done that? This wouldn't be in here. Or y'all with me now? I know I'm taking extra time, but this is so important. What's going on? The pressure. The pressure. The pressure. It's over. It's too late. It's over. It's over. You should have done this. You should have done that. Why didn't you do this? Why didn't you do that earlier? Why didn't you go see him early? Why didn't you go see him yesterday? Pressure. Pressure. Too late. Too late. Oh, but hear the words of the Master. Jesus, the Prince of Peace. Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, was standing right beside him. He looked over at him. As soon as Jesus heard the word. In fact, if you look at it in the other translations, it says, ignoring them. That Jesus act like he didn't even hear them. This is how faith does now. It acts like it doesn't even hear the other stuff. Oh yeah, it bounced off my eardrums. It registered on my mind. But you just act like you did not even hear it. Oh, can you see this? He said to the ruler of the synagogue. He looked at him. Jairus. Jairus may have tears in his eyes. I don't know what's going on. I know he's feeling pressed. He said, Jairus, look at me. Look at me. Don't be afraid. He's just lost his baby. Don't be afraid. What's the pressure on? What's the pressure on to do? To change. To change from how he started out on this. The pre- oh, it's pushing on him from every side. It's too late. It's too late. Jesus said, don't be afraid. What? Be not afraid. 
only. Oh, do you hear this word? What is only? One. One. Only believe. What's he saying to him? Stay with me, Jairus. Stay with me. Don't quit. Don't yield to that fear. Don't open your mouth and say what you are pressed to say. Don't you do it. Stay with me. This is the only thing you've got to do. Just what did you tell me a few minutes ago? She shall live. Stay with it. Stay with it. That's all I need. Only do that. Nothing else. Don't entertain anything else. Don't listen to anything else. Don't say anything else. Only believe. Now stop right here. Why would Jesus say that to him? Does it matter? Can't he just go on and heal her anyway? I mean, he's the son of God. Why would he stop and say this this way? Does it affect him and what he's able to do? Is he the same yesterday, today, and forever? Then does it affect him what we say in the crisis? I'm taking extra time, but friend, I see in my spirit situations all through this crowd. And I'm telling you, you've been believing God. You're doing pretty good. But the devil is going to try to pressure you to get you to back off and change. And you can't do it or else it won't come to pass. You're the one that could mess it up. I'm the one that could mess it up. Only believe. Only. That's all. Only Oh, everybody say only. Only, only believe. Only believe. That's, all That's all I do. I stay with it. I don't change. No matter what I feel. People are counting on us. There's so many people around us that don't know. Your family and your friends and your associates that don't know anything about faith. They don't understand this. Somebody in this thing has got to believe God. To get results. And it's you. It's you. And no matter what they say, you cannot let them sway you or change you. You've got to be with your soul anchored in Him. Unmoved by whatever comes. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Lord, we thank you. We praise you. Lift up your hands. Lord, we bless you. We glorify, we exalt your holy name. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. What did Jesus say? Actually, Luke says it like this. Jesus said, fear not. Believe only. And she shall be made whole. Just like you said. You said it. Now stay with me. Does Jesus need us to stay with him? To get it done in our life? Does he need us to not say the wrong thing? And not yield, not come apart? <sighs> I'm trying to express it. Lord help me further. You cannot afford to come apart. People are counting on you. They're counting on you to stand and hold fast. 
No matter how great the pressure is, you cannot, other people are falling apart, they're crying uncontrollably, they're feeling sorry for themselves, they're falling in the bed, they're talking all kind of stuff out their mouth. You know better. I know better. We can't do it. I don't care if your eyes are full of tears. If you're hurting from the pressure of it, you got to get up. you got to be a woman of God. you got to be a man of God. And you got to say, none of these things move me. I will not talk dying. I will not talk failure. I will not. I refuse to. No, no, I will not doubt. I will not waver. I will not stagger. I have heard from the Lord. And this is how it shall be. And only this way. Don't you like what Paul said on board that ship? He said, wherefore, sirs, I believe God that it shall be just like it was told me. That's how it's going to be. Look like they were all going to die out there. He said, no, uh, uh-uh. I've already heard from God. How's this thing going to turn out? We all going to be saved. Thanks. Be unto God. Now notice what Jairus said. Notice what he said. Read it for me. Jesus looked at him. He said, don't be afraid. Only believe. And what did Jairus say? Read it for me. Huh? What did he say? Which was the best thing he could have said. Right here. If you don't change it, it reverts back to what you already said. When you're feeling so pressed and so pushed and you feel the thing on you, you just bite your lip and go, see previous statement. (laughs) What are you saying? I've already said it. I've already said it. See, previous statement. What did he say? What did he do? He bit his lip. Oh, he felt like saying all kind of stuff. But he bit his lip and he tagged along with Jesus. Jesus walked in there and run all those people out that was grieving and crying over the little girl and brought, you know, the three in with him and the mother and the father. And he stood there. He's looking at his little girl, pale, dead, laying on the bed. What do you think that did to him? But what did he do? What's recorded that he said? See previous statement. He stood there and he bit his lip. That's all you got to do. Just stay with Jesus. Don't open your mouth and cut him off. Don't open your mouth and express the fear and the worry and the doubt. Don't do it. He has to have this from us. It is not optional. And if you do, what happened? Oh, glory to God. While he's standing there, biting his lip, going, what I said a while ago. Jesus was able to just keep right on operating, right into that situation, speak to his daughter, and she was raised from the dead and healed, and she's sitting at the dinner table eating with them in a few minutes. But it all, it all could have been lost if he'd have opened his mouth when they gave him that bad report and he'd just come apart. He started crying and screaming and 
It would all have been lost. How many times people have prayed a good prayer. They've made a good confession only to completely undo it later with their mouth. Things were already working and heading in the right way. But because of pressures and what they see and feel and thoughts, they undid it. They undid the whole thing with their mouth. Let it not be any more with us. Say it out loud. I refuse to doubt. I refuse to change. I refuse to waver. I believe it shall be unto me even as he has told me. It'll be that way and no other. That's what I say and no other. That's what I believe and I believe that only. Hallelujah. Praise you, Lord. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.